0: Like our content? It's funded by viewers like you. Please consider becoming a sustaining supporter of New Church Live today. So great big good morning to everyone. I'm Pastor Chuck Blair. It's wonderful to have you here. Whether you're joining us in our studio audience or joining us from all different parts of the country, It's wonderful to have you here and wonderful to get a chance to connect over over a message that I think probably a lot of us need to think about, which is, is the idea of worry, anxiety, and concern. And that's what we're going to look at today. But before looking into it, I just want to make a pitch here again. We've, we've noticed at New Church Live, again, we have shifted so dramatically into an online audience in an online world. And while we still do a lot of things in person with some service groups, some small groups, as well as offering an in-person experience on Sundays, we clearly know that the future is largely online, and, and how do we sort of work into that arena? And one of the things we ask is just, if you are interested in that, and you are interested in helping us think through some things, you consider just joining us for a brainstorm around what we're just calling very loosely an ambassador program? What does that look like to build community online? I don't know, <laughs> but I feel like the best people who can help us find those answers are people who watch this, this, this service online. So we wanna warmly invite you to that. And if that interests you, you can just go on our website, look under events, and you can sign up right there. We'll be meeting on September 20th at 8 p.m. So hopping into this, this Sermon on the Mount, it's, it's interesting with the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount is so critical. It's, it's kind of like the linchpin of Christianity. And it's interesting. I was listening to a little podcast, and they were talking about some of the new atheists talking about how there is no God and dot 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 dot. And they're citing some of these, these reasons why they believe that, and then they're showing showing churches that have just gone off the rails. And it was interesting what the commentator said. He said, yeah, these people really haven't read much about Jesus. And it's true. Like, if you read about Jesus, it's hard to, I mean, I'll be so bold as to say it's hard to stay an atheist because it just makes sense. And it just makes sense, not from this deep theology per se, but but it makes sense. Like, oh yeah, it makes sense. I can choose to live this way. I can choose to do things a little differently. And somehow, when we do those things a little differently, somehow that puts us in integrity with who we were actually all created to be. You were not created to be anxious. You were not created to worry. You were not created to wake up at 2 a.m. on a consistent basis. Filled with all the challenges of the day in your head. You were not created for that. (laughs) Do we experience that? Absolutely. Does everyone in the room go like, oh yeah, I know that 2 a.m. or that 3 a.m. Whatever hour it is for you. Yeah, we all know that. But that's not what you were created to be. You're created to be so much more. That's such a key part of the message of the Sermon on the Mount. And if we see the Sermon on the Mount, maybe one way to see it is kind of, this is like the Ten Commandments for Christians. If you want to read like what we're really supposed to do, Ten Commandment-wise, read this, and I think you'll find find it filled with all kinds of beautiful concepts and ideas. So I want to read for you the the passage for today, and today we're looking at at Do Not Worry. And this will be little bits and pieces of this on the Sermon on the Mount. You go like, oh yeah, I, I, I have heard that before, because a lot of these are very quoted and quotable, and this is Jesus preaching. This is a full sermon that that we have a record of, and it's beautiful. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap, yet my heavenly Father feeds them anyways. Are you not much more valuable than they? I love that beautiful line, like here are these birds, God takes care of the birds, and you're much more valuable than a bird. Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothing? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, Which is here today and tomorrow is thrown in the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? And please, again, folks, when you hear Jesus saying, You have little faith, see it, see it with him saying that with a smile. Do not, (laughs) again, he's not wagging his finger here. So don't worry, saying, What shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows you need them. That's a beautiful line. Yeah, of course God knows you need this stuff. But seek first his kingdom, his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Again, beautiful, beautiful scripture, that idea that, that tomorrow sort of personifies tomorrow. Like, don't worry, tomorrow's gonna show up with its worries. Don't need to worry about that. Just live in the day. It's interesting, folks, when you look at this, you know, three times we see in here, Jesus say, do not worry. And and it's, it's, it's fascinating when you look at that, do not worry, do not worry, do not worry. And I think we're asked to kind of think of it two ways, which is what I'm gonna ask you to join me in as, as we look in this sermon in more detail about this. There's the one do not worry that's the command, like, you know, don't worry. Don't worry. And and I'm sure those of us who've raised children have have had a moment where we've needed to say, look, don't stop worrying. Stop it. But then there's a much more grace-filled part of it too. Just imagine this. Imagine it as a promise. Imagine it as Jesus saying like, look, live life this way and don't worry. You won't have to worry. There's not gonna be worry. It's not gonna be part of your life anymore. Now is that easy to get to? No. Did that many people find it in this life? I I doubt it. But can we have those moments? And that's what today we're gonna look at. It's it's not about how do we come out of here feeling at peace with no more worries for all time. It's, It's how do we find moments of peace? Moments of the peace that passes all understanding, moments that can change us. Because friends, I think we know this, we live in a very anxious age. And how can we put worry into a new context? How can we worry less, and in the end, learn to love more? That's what we're gonna be talking about today. So welcome, friends. Welcome to New Church Live.
1: Don't worry about a thing Cause every little thing is gonna be alright Don't worry about a thing Cause every little thing is gonna be alright I woke up this morning, and I smiled with the rising sun. Three little birds, each by my doorstep, were singing sweet songs, and the melody's pure and true. Singing, this is my message to you. Don't worry about a thing Cause every little thing is gonna be alright Don't worry about a thing Cause every little thing is gonna be alright this is my message to you don't worry about a thing cause Mm. every Cause every little thing is gonna be alright Every little thing is gonna be alright
0: a beautiful rendition of a song, and, and, and that idea of, of don't worry, everything's going to be all right, it's, it's a beautiful song because there's this, this counter to it, right, like here's the worry, but then there's this deep acknowledgement, look, everything's going to be okay, everything's going to be okay, and maybe, maybe there's some of you in the audience, that's all you need to hear from today, is everything's going to be okay, and I do believe that. And let's take a look at at worry and maybe try to look at worry in a a slightly different way today. And it's not that I feel like we can offer the solution to all worry. It's just trying to look at this Sermon on the Mount and say, okay, maybe there's a different way to hold worry. Because I don't think this is saying there will be no worry in our life. I think it's saying, yeah, there will be, but but how do we maybe handle it a little differently? So I, I want us to think through this. Do a little thought experiment with me. Pull to mind the things you worry about. Just be really specific in your head. All the little things you've worried about over the last 24 hours. Now I think there's there's a number of approaches you can take to those worries. One approach is like, I handle each one of these things. I'm worried about getting the bills paid on time, so I pay the bills. I worry about this, so I do this. You know, where it's like this sequential thing. We work our way through all our worries. And today, that's, that's, a, that's a good approach, right? But today, I want to look at it a little differently. I want to look at the pattern of worry. Here's something to think about. I would bet you, and again, if we were in a small group, it'd be interesting to talk about this. I would bet you that all of you in here, if you, if you looked at your worries, you could probably, I don't say for sure, because I don't know your life, but, but I would imagine probably there's a certain pattern that is consistently repeated, Here's worry number one, worry number two, worry number three, worry number four, and they may appear very different on the surface, but then we dig underneath, and it's the same pattern over and over again. A big aha uh-huh that I had, a, you know, literally just a couple of days ago was, was, uh, you know, I'd busy running around doing stuff. We've we've moved our offices at New Church Life, so just a lot of diff- different balls in the air. And I had my backpack with my trusty little computer on it. And I, uh, you know, and I, and I just, I, I got done with the evening. I'm traveling back to my, to my little apartment. And, and all of a sudden I'm like, I don't know where my bag is. I don't know where my bag is. So I go into panic mode. Literally it's 1030 at night and I'm retracing my steps. And I'm trying to find it because, because this is the pattern. The way the pattern went is, was here, I can't find my bag. And then the pattern rapidly goes to homeless and identity theft. That literally, somebody will have hacked my computer, frozen me out, new passwords of all my accounts, drained me of all my money, ruined all my email, like it just, it's just this, this boom, this explosion. And, and when I'm in this moment, folks, I, I'm literally so like anxious. I'm thinking, God, whatever you want, you just let me know. And as long as I get my book bag back, we're good. You know, I don't care if it costs me $5,000 to find my backpack. I'll, I'll do it. I'll write the check. Just tell me who to write the check to. That pattern, that's... That's maybe what we need to work on because that pattern shows up for me when I can't find my wallet. That pattern shows up when I'm worried about this little thing or I'm worried about this little thing with with one of my five beautiful children. I'm worried about this little thing. I I mean, even even just this morning, I started worrying about my taxes for next year. (laughs) Like, folks, that's crazy. But it's a pattern. It's not an event. And maybe today we can just look at the pattern a little differently because I think what we're all looking for is I think we're, we're not not just peace, but inner peace. Like that deep abiding. You know, I, I, love the word, I love the words that Jesus has here in terms of Jesus's promise. Jesus says, peace I leave with you. My peace. And there you have to think again, the word shalom, which we talk about so much in here. It means sort of this wholeness. It's it's a peace that encompasses all of life, blessed, broken, shared, it pulls it all together. My peace I give you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. That's from John 14. Beautiful line here, line there. And what's, what gets in the way of that peace, folks? And, and you know, here's, here's a good, again, there's many parts of this where you could have good conversation. You're just thinking about what are the parts. These are just a few brainstorm ones. Jealousy gets in the way, right? You, you can't have peace if you're always caught in the comparison trap about why isn't my life like fill-in-the-blank, their name, theirs. Simple worry, sort of chronic worry, that will definitely get in the way of peace. And it's interesting, there's worry and then and then, uh, you know, control. If we're really trying to control everything, we're gonna end up pretty anxious people because it's almost impossible to control as many things as we believe we can. And the last one, obviously, and this is sort of an all-encompassing one, fear. Fear. When we get feared up, it's, it's very, very hard to not be anxious. So we want peace and maybe, and folks, maybe we can't find it because we're looking for it in the wrong way. Maybe what we're looking for is is maybe we picked the wrong form of peace because, because there's a pattern here again, right? There's a pattern that I need to be aware of. And the pattern for me consistently, I imagine for a lot of us, is when I have all these things, then I will have peace. And that could be finding the computer. It could be a great relationship with fill in the blank. And then I'll have peace. But I don't think that's what it's talking about because at 58, I'm just waking up to the fact that even when I get those things, all that list does, that's the eternal list. And tomorrow I have a whole nother list of things that I believe life has to offer me before I find peace again. That's not what we're created to be. We're not created to have this endless to-do list that somehow at the end of which we will find peace and no longer be worried. We're created again to love. We're created to serve. We're actually created to have this beautiful form of self-forgetfulness where we get so engrossed or involved with, with love in action, with, with, with reaching out, with caring, with connecting, that we forget all those worries and concerns. So I want to come at this, folks, with, with uh, looking at it in terms of two boxes. Two boxes. One box is this idea of worldly peace. That, that, that it's the peace, as Jesus says, you know, I give, I'm going to give you peace, but it's not peace as the world understands it. But but I think a lot of us can understand the peace that we want, sort of a worldly peace that we believe we believe is possible. Some, some, just some thoughts around that. One is, you know, we, we set up all this list of conditions. There's all these conditions, which I mentioned before. Somehow I'll, I'll get all those squared away, and then I will finally have peace. And so, so what I'm doing is I'm constantly carrying around this box that I'm trying to fill, and I'm constantly striving, and I'm constantly efforting to get this thing filled. But folks, it's a bottomless pet. There's no there there. There's no peace there. it's it's kind of interesting i i don't know whether jesus ever uses the words do more now does that mean striving and effort are bad things no i mean probably some of us need to strive and put in a little more effort true but it's but it's when that becomes consumptive in our life and then these other two folks are just throwing them out and again these are sort of mosaic tiles it doesn't necessarily go through linear but it's just something for us to think about and to think about Because we live in such an anxious age, because we live in such an anxious age, one thing I think that could go into that first box, I imagine that we could could think of there, worldly peace, which isn't true peace, is this belief that you can have a pain-free future. That you can have a pain-free future. That may not be true. That may not be true. I think maybe we do a disservice to people when we try to tell them there is like a pain-free future just around the bend. They just do this, they just do this, they just do this. I mean, just this is an aside, this is going to Ohio, but we're trying to go to New Jersey. But you look at how much of marketing is based on that. Like, you just do this, and your pain-free future is just right around the riverbed. It's right there. Think about that, and that's, a, that's one for us to consider. And the other one, and this is, this is even a little bit harder to, to maybe think about, but with worldly peace. So, so we desire worldly peace, and yet we're shackled with anxiety and worry. And it's very easy, I think, I would imagine, for us to think, well, you know, here's this anxiety and it feels like it's at a fever patch. So, what I need to do is I need to have experiences that are even more than that fear or that anxiety. Think about what that does to the whole concept of peace. You know, that means the only way you have peace is on a screaming fast roller coaster ride at Disney. Now, that might be fun. I don't know whether that's where we would truly find peace, though. And, and I think, folks, that these, these, are, these are sort of subtle cultural forces that, that maybe we need to question, not in a mean way, not in a berating way, Not certainly not pointing at other people, going, I can diagnose you, but, but looking at ourselves. Like, is there part of you that gets tripped up in the idea that there will be a pain-free future just around the bend? Is there part of you that gets caught up in this idea of like, oh man, I'm feeling all this anxiousness, I need to actually up the ante so I have even a bigger emotional experience that, that somehow quells all that, all that anxiety? I mean, folks, you know what we call that when it gets crazy? Addiction. Because it's the belief I can have something more that will actually quell all that. Those are patterns. And they really, in in some strange way, may not not have anything to do with the thing itself. That's that's a whole nother aside. Just, you know, I was struck, this was months ago, hearing somebody talk about, a pastor talk about money worries. And he said, you know, because a lot of us have financial worries, right? And he said, money worries are never about money. Well said. <laughs> I think that's probably true to some, to some extent. But then folks, we can, we can look at box two, which is a very, very different way of seeing it. And again, it's, it's, it's a shift in pattern here that I'm talking about, not necessarily a, a, a solution per se. So I'm gonna step over here to talk about this for a minute. We have this big box, this is kind of the, the, the world is, as, as peace as the world would have us believe it. Filled with a lot of stuff and the belief that I will have more peace when, I, when this box is more and more full. You know, filled to the brim, overflowing, then somehow I will have peace. And again, be really careful of that. Be really careful of that. I think, I think hidden way down deep within all of us though, is this little box, box number two. And box number two is is much smaller. It it doesn't look as big and fancy and it's it's not not dependent on more. Listen, I'm gonna use really careful language here. It's not dependent on more. It's grounded in less. Not dependent on more. It's grounded in less. Just even think of that relationally, right? Like how many of us just, we strive and we effort to every relationship wanting it to just be so much better and so much bigger, and again, that comes from a really good place. There's no shame in that. But that can become really hard, especially in relationships where it's just not working. But can we come back to this small box that instead of this idea of more, we have something that's grounded in less, and it's not less relationship. I wanna be clear about that. There's just a lessness, and the less here isn't isn't a a quantitative measure. It's, It's a less as in simplicity. It's where life just becomes more simple. And how very simple can we make it? That's what this is really all about. Now there's there's a number of, of authors who I love, you know, and I think the, the Bible talks about this, who just, who just speak to this so eloquently. Let's take a look at this one. Christian Wyman. To be innocent is to retain the space in your heart that once heard a still small voice, saying not so much your name, so much not not your name, so much as your nature, and the wherewithal to say again and forever, your wordless but lucid, your untriumphant but absolute yes. You must protect this space so that it can protect you. It's this, it's this very small space. And this space, folks, this is where your soul really lives. And, and, and this language that he has is so good because, because this is the space that really protects you. This is the space that God deeply protects because it's God's gift to you. Like, like this is the gift. This is the divine spark. And and our job is to protect it so that it can protect us. It's a different way of looking at worry. It's not worry that's about how much more can I add. It's a worry, excuse me, it's a solution that's much more about how can I be grounded in this life that can feel so challenging so much of the time. Take a look at this next quote, folks. This is from Secrets of Heaven by Emmanuel Swedenborg. Our actual life force, our actual vitality comes from heavenly love. Nothing living can possibly exist unless it comes from that source. So in this little box lies all of our vitality. And and as it goes on to say, you know, this comes from heaven. This is is heaven in us. You know, Jesus was really clear, like don't look for heaven out there, look for heaven in here. This is what it's talking about. And then that last line, nothing living can exist unless it comes from there. That's where we find our aliveness. And that's where, again, folks, like you look at the beauty of this. This is, again, a little bit of an aside, but, but that's the beauty of when we connect with other people around that aliveness. It's incredible. It's amazing. It's amazing to watch. There's, there's a number of small groups that are essentially New Church Live dinner groups, be the way I would describe them. And... And we have different ones, some are read by parishioners, some are, some are led by me, you know, we have three of them, three of them right now um, that, are, that are fun. And, and I used this question at one of them, you know, where, what's in this little box for you? It was so cool to hear what people had to say. Because we know this, you know this, you know it. Capital K, you know it at the level of your soul. Because it's embedded down to your very spiritual DNA. And this little spark, folks, this little spark is is where we find the ignition in life. It's where where things can really start to take off. It's it's, it's where we find, and when that spark takes off, here's the crazy part. This is like crazy spiritual stuff. When we find that place, ready for this? We find peace. We find peace. Peace. Not with a thousand and one other things. Not with, ready for this? Not through a thousand solutions to your thousand worries, because tomorrow there's gonna to be a thousand more. And do you really want to spend the rest of your life solving a thousand problems a day from a place of worry? Probably not. <laughs> and I think that's where Jesus again is saying, look, tomorrow's just gonna to do its thing. And there's gonna be all these worries tomorrow. Just, yeah, they're gonna be there. But can we come back to this little box again and again and again? To give you a context, folks, of, of what this would be, I'd ask you just to think for yourself, what would it be for you? You know, if you're, if you're on an online chat on one of, our, one of our formats today, you know, write it down, speak it to the world. If you want to, you're welcome to send me a text You're welcome to send me a text and text it to me or or text it to a loved one or or have this conversation over dinner. And and just notice, just notice what happens. When When I stand in this place where I've gone to that, that place where I feel that divine spark, I imagine your experience will be you will see worry go. You'll see worry go. Maybe just for a second, maybe for five seconds, maybe for 30 seconds, but that's good. A simple example of it. And this is, this is one that, that, that this comes out of a Rob Bell sermon I listened to years ago that, that was so powerful. For me, for me, just to give you a little guided practice here, It's this simple idea that God created the world and he offered two blessings, good and very good. That's what God stamped the word with, good, very good, in Genesis. The word for good there is tov. That's why we say mazel tov or mazel tov. That's why if you go to a Jewish wedding, they shout mazel tov or mazel tov. It means good. It's a very deliberate word because it does not mean perfect in our Western sense at all just means, look, life's good. It's a mess, and it's good. If we get off track, if we get consumed by worry, if we get into all this efforting, if we get all consumed around the idea that there's a pain-free future just around the river bend, if we are constantly searching for an experience that will actually outdo our fears, Imagine coming back to this, just a simple thing. And do this with me, folks. Get your body loose. Take a breath and close your eyes. Simple words. Life is good. Life life the idea that you can breathe, that you can move, that you can touch, that you can do all these things. Life is tov. Life is good. And there's just a way when we can, we can like breathe with that that we can just be like, oh yeah, this is really hard. Whew, really hard. And I can breathe and sometimes even through tears, maybe even through tears, we can just say, yeah, and life is good. Life is good. I mean, I was. this is an aside and a little foreshadowing of a future sermon. We were reading through some stuff, listening to a podcast that we shared in the sermon writing team, and it was on suffering. And one of the profound points in this part of suffering, and this is something I'm gonna develop a whole sermon on in a couple weeks, but, but the idea that, that suffering not all the time, not all the time, I wanna be clear about that, is a lot of the time when we suffer, it's because there's, there's a bigger truth or a greater love underneath it that we feel is somehow jeopardized. So maybe even part of this life is good, life is tove, is, okay, so up here, I can be all this worry that suffering creates, because it does, inevitably, and maybe I can just shift down a gear and just, oh yeah, life is good, and this feels like suffering because we love this person. This feels painful because there's a bigger truth of what we know could be here that might never be. That's a different kind of patterning. Because it's, it's, not, it's not answering the question in the way we tend to answer it so much in our, in our quantitative lives with, with like a spreadsheet and a and a problem-solution board. And again, those things are wonderful. We have so many parts of our world that have grown because of that, that, that approach, but it's coming at it from a different way. And, and, and spirituality, when spirituality really makes sense it's when it, when it does these little counterintuitive twists. And we didn't necessarily see coming, but they, they just help us to see the world anew. You know, Jesus' words, behold, I make all things new, all things. And I think so much of that is a new set of eyes to see things from. Now, this is not an easy journey. I love this particular line from the Bible that that reminds us of this, which is, six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day to the Lord your God. And if we look at an internal sense perspective of that, in other words, here are these words about a week and you got six days and you finally have a day of rest. When we look at it more deeply, there's, there's a beautiful piece to it. I mean, literally piece to it. P-E-A-C-E and P-I-E-C-E. Which is just, yeah, we're gonna work. We're gonna do all these things. And, and it's just, we're just trying to do the work to create a Sabbath moment. To create a moment of rest. A moment of reminder that life is good. As we go into our next song, just, just think about what that is for you. What is that little box for you that you need to come back to that you know is home? I mean, spirituality, art of homecoming, the easiest way to describe it. Because while you weren't created for worry, you were not created to worry. You were created to bring that little box to life because you're the only one who can. You're the only one who has that little spark in the particular way that God gave it to you, who has that little unique gift from God, the little light to shine. Now, I can go back to that little box, and did it help me find my computer and my my backpack? (laughs) No, Susan found my backpack but it does give a different way of holding it, a different pattern, in some way to come back to the beautiful choice which is always love over fear.
1: Love told me not to worry, When you need me, I'll be there In the darkness on your journey I'm the light to make it clear On your way back home Love told me not to worry You were always just enough No conditions to be worthy and accepted by love. Your legacy will always carry on long after you have gone. All you've given, all you left behind, all the people you treated so kind on your way back home on your way back home love is always there for you love is always there for Wherever it's taken you, never forsaken you, it may say to you, you don't need to worry, I'll be with you everywhere, I'll find a way to reach you, through a song, through a prayer. And when the music can open the lines From your heart to the other side The place of beauty, the place of life The place where love is your guide On your way back home On your way Back home Love Is always there for you Love is Always there for you Wherever it's taking you It won't forsaken you It may say to you, you don't need to worry. And when the music can open the lines, from your heart to the other side, the place of beauty, the place of life, the place love will be your guide on your way back home, on your way back home.
0: So, folks, it's, it's fun to, to see what people have to say. Two messages I want to share with you. One, one from someone down in Florida said, uh, the other day things were so perfect. Leaving my home is usually a struggle, pulling into traffic. The, that morning there were no cars either way. Pulled out, everything that day could not have been better. I started to feel guilty. At the end of the day, I realized I misplaced my phone. Took a lot of effort to find it the next day. Again, right, we can be having the perfect day and those things are going to happen. They're going to happen. And then I just got a note from a a congregant in Maryland and she says, Chuck, just take note, your Facebook account has just been hacked. You might wanna tell people. So I'm letting you all know my Facebook account has been hacked this morning. We'll always have these, right, these, these invitations to worry, but, but how, do we, how do we, again, it's, it's, it's maybe we can view this stuff as all these are just an invitation to come back to that little box. Whatever that is for you, a divine spark, that ignition, that part that can, that can grow, that part that you are here to, to oxygenate, that part that you are here to combine your spark with this spark, with this spark, with this spark, to Kun Alam in the Jewish tradition, and create a world, you know, a world that there's a new kind of fire, a new kind of warming fire. It's interesting, I was, I was thinking about that with, with peace, right, and, and with, with those people we all know who really have that peace, it's interesting because their lives present a paradox. They're both settled and moving at the same time. Settled and moving. Another way to maybe phrase that in the, in the paradox is they also have this very humble courage to them. Very humble. Very humble. I was, you know, talking to a, you know, to a to a friend of mine. Um, and she was saying some of her her limitations that she's dealing with as she gets older and how this makes certain things hard, and she said, but you know, Chuck, I'm not gonna worry about what I can't do. I'm gonna really focus on doing the things I can. That's that's a humble courage. That's somebody who's both settled, because they're grounded, goes back to that little box, and they're also moving at the same time. It's, it's a powerful place to be because it, it, it's a way of navigating the storms of life in a way that can make a huge difference for us and for other people. We see a new faith that comes out of this, a new kind of faith, and it's not, again, it's not faith as certainty. Nobody says about the somebody I think writes better about the faith certainty dichotomy than Anne Lamott. Beautiful quote. I have a lot of faith, but I am also afraid a lot. And I have no real certainty about anything. I remembered something Father Tom had told me, that the opposite of faith is not doubt, but certainty. And how much of worldly perfection, by the way, is based on certainty, that we'll, we'll have all these things and then certainly we'll have peace. Certainty is missing the point entirely. Faith includes noticing the mess, the emptiness and discomfort, and letting it be there until some light returns. That's so good. Remember we talked about box one, how there's so much efforting and striving there. And again, nothing wrong with efforting and striving in their proper context, but we can't get consumed by that. Because sometimes there's many things that are way beyond our efforting and striving. Way beyond our efforts to solve them. And maybe that idea, this beautiful idea that we're just waiting for some light to return. Those also serve, Old Testament, those also serve who stand and wait. Beautiful idea there too. And folks, what can happen is a very different kind of peace. With that new faith comes a new kind of peace. And this is one of the more quoted parts of new church theology. Peace has in it trust in the Lord, that he governs all things, provides all things, and leads to a good end. I love that idea, and I worked at rephrasing it. Like, if I was to rephrase that in modern language, I would say it's a belief that God's got it, there will always be enough, and life in the end is good. Let's say that one more time. The God's got it, there will always be enough, and life, in the end, is good. And there's a shift that starts to happen there. The do not worry, which we talked about at the beginning, it really has shifted now. It's shifted from a command to a reassurance. Think about that. Just sit with that. Let's sit with that for a second, from a command do not worry, to the reassurance of don't worry. So maybe maybe that's the final word today. Don't worry. There is a God in charge. God is for you. Life is good. There's a plan, and in that plan, there is an eternity, an eternity, in which love does this, comes more and more alive. And that's not just something I think we're supposed to intellectualize on. I think it's something that that maybe we're to allow the words from the Sermon on the Mount to, to to just words we should learn to rest in, to lean into, and to just allow to cover us with that kind of love. See, that's such a different world. And maybe, folks, let's have a week living there, a week of being reassured. Don't worry. Amen. What we're gonna do now, friends, is now I'm gonna offer a prayer. We're gonna offer a prayer, then we're gonna do the Lord's Prayer, then we'll do a blessing, and then we will have our final song, so a prayer. Lord, thank you for your presence here today. Thank you for all you've brought to us here today. We so deeply appreciate, Lord, all that you offer, your way, your truth, your life, your light. Thank you for being with us this morning and hear our prayer. Our Father, who art in the heavens, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so upon the earth. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power, in the glory forever, amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you, bring you peace and bring you home, amen. Have a good week, friends.
1: From the dark end of the street to the bright side of the road, we'll be lovers once again on the bright side of the road, little darling. Won't you help me share my load From the dark end of the street To the bright side of the road Into this life we're born Baby, sometimes, sometimes I don't know why time seems to go by so fast in the twinkling of an night let's enjoy it while we can won't you help me to share my load on the dark end of the street to the bright side of Into this life we're born Baby, sometimes Sometimes I don't know why Time seems to go by too fast In the twinkling of an eye Let's enjoy it while we Won't you help me share this song? Little darling, come along to the bright side of the road. On the dark end of the street, on the bright side. side of the road. Have a great week, everybody. the bright side of the road. We'll be lovers once again. On the bright side of the road. Thank you, Ed.